Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing.
and girls going down to children's church. Now, you can slip out that way. Everybody else, if you would take your copy of God's Word and turn to Ephesians, uh, this time chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. As uh, we're finishing up this series, we, God willing, we'll finish it up next week. This series is called Identity, Finding and Living Out Who You Truly Are. Finding out who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ. Looking at these first three chapters of the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3 today. I will be there in a moment looking at the first 13 verses. Think about the church for a moment. Just how important is the church? Just how important is the church? It seems to many that church is not just not that important. Uh, in reality, they, it's just not important to them. I recently read somewhere that people who used to attend every week, they used to go to church every week, they're now attending two times a month. So they've gone from every week to two times a month. People who were around twice a month are now showing up once a month. So you notice everybody's cutting their attendance in half. So they were coming every week. They're down to two times a month. They were coming twice a month. They're down to one time a month. And attenders who used to come once a month are showing up half a dozen times a year. So think about that. Half a dozen times a year, six times a year. Out of the year 52 Sundays, they come maybe around six. The author went on to say that this is true as they look at the trends. This is true, listen, of rapidly growing churches. It's true in mega churches, and it's true in mid-sized churches. So even in the churches that are booming with attendance, you still only have people attending about twice a month on average. Um, and then some maybe just once a month, and then others just maybe six times a year. And of course, there are always those who never attend. Now, I know there are exceptions. Uh, there are some that are faithfully attend every week, if at all possible. But even before the pandemic, people were attending church less and less. And then after the pandemic came and people kind of got out of the habit of even, even attending partly, uh, it's gotten worse and worse. It's so different uh, from what I experienced growing up. I, I was blessed to, to grow up in church. Uh, I've been in church since I was a baby. I wasn't there by choice. I was taken there uh, by my parents. I'm grateful for that. I was brought up in church. You know, I remember growing up as a boy in church, things were a lot different in, in many regards back then. And one of the things that was different is you could pretty much bank on people being at church. On Sundays, you just expected to see certain people in church and you would see them in church. And if you didn't see them in church, something was probably wrong or there was a legitimate reason why they weren't there and you were shocked that they were not there. It wasn't just, oh, they're not there. It's just, where are they at? Because they're always here. And that has changed so much. Now, now I know there are those today who will cry out, well, you know, the truth of the matter is um, we're, we're, we're supposed to, to, to be the church, not just, just, just go to church. And that is true. We are to be the church. Uh, but it's not an either or, it's a both and. A part of being the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to church. You know, the, the church scattered during the week is gathered on the Lord's day. Now, I bring all this up today because of what our passage brings up. And for those who say, well, listen, I'm faithful to church. I'm here pretty much every time you have service. Let me ask you a question. Would you be willing to go to prison for the church? Would you be willing to go to prison for the church? Now, there was a day where that seemed like a really far-fetched question, <laughs> but no more. As we look around the world, as we look at what's going on in other places, it, there's a real possibility that even in our lifetime, we may have to go to prison, go to jail, 
because of church? Would you be willing to go to prison? Now, I know that's a loaded question, and that's not an easy question to answer. Uh, But I bring all this up because of our passage today. Uh, I'm not just randomly picking things out of the air. We find in Ephesians chapter 3 some things involving this. As you think about this question, just how important is the church? And I want you to look with me, if you would, in Ephesians chapter 3. And I want to read the first 13 verses. And then we'll talk about what these verses um, contain. Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 13. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets." that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of His power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart in my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Just how important is the church? Just how important is the gospel? Just how important is Christ? Well, notice the first verse again of chapter 3 says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. Paul is in prison when he wrote this. And he's in prison because of his ministry for Christ. Paul is in prison in Rome under Nero. You remember anything from history? Nero uh, was not a very pleasant character to say the least. And Paul is in prison because of the gospel. But the question is, how is it that Paul was able to endure all this suffering and this imprisonment and this hardship and to be able to do these things in such an awesome way and be used of God and still have joy? How is it that he maintained his trust in Christ? Well, surely we could spend a few minutes talking about the enabling power of Christ. And of course, that is true. The the power of God was upon him and the Holy Spirit ministered to him. But there are three keys in this passage concerning endurance when it comes to suffering for Christ. Three things that we find in Paul's life. And I want to share them with you here quickly this morning. Three keys to his endurance. Three things that he remembered in particular. First of all, he remembered that his life was under the sovereign hand of God. He remembered that his life was under the sovereign hand of God. Now put yourself in his sandals this morning. You are in prison, probably under house arrest here at this time, in Rome, under Nero, and you're there not because you stole something, not because you murdered somebody, not because of things that you did wrong, but because of things you've done that are right. 
living for Christ, preaching Christ, winning people to Christ, and yet you're in prison. Well, how is it that he can endure under this suffering? Well, he remembered that his life was under the sovereign hand of God. If you read verse 1 too quickly, you might have missed it. Go back to verse 1. Did you notice his wording? He didn't say, I, Paul, the prisoner of Nero. And he didn't say, I, Paul, the prisoner of Rome. What did he say in that verse? He said, no, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. That's an amazing wording. That's an amazing perspective. I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Paul recognized something vitally important. And it's something that each of us also needs to recognize. Um, something that is a great comfort in times of trouble especially. And that is our lives are not just happening. They're not just filled with luck and chance. And happenstance. Now listen, child of God, your life is being lived under the sovereign hand of Almighty God, the ruler of the universe, the creator of all things, including you. Your life is being lived under His sovereign control. And everything, listen, everything that happens to you is filtered through His loving hands. Now let's be honest about it. That doesn't mean we like everything that happens. That doesn't mean we understand everything that happens. It doesn't mean everything that happens is fun and that we just are tickled about it. But we can trust God's good plan for our lives. I don't know. I sat in with the College of Career class some this morning and, and I'm assuming that a lot of the adult classes we're studying. We're all, we all studying Abraham uh, today. And the main takeaway we had was, was the idea of, of trusting God when you don't have all the answers. Maybe that was what was in your book. I don't know. But that's one of the, one of the takeaways from Abraham's life is Abraham is called in the Abrahamic covenant. And then he goes through all these processes. And, and, and we see there that his life was lived under the sovereign hand of God. And God was guiding his life. And God is guiding your life. And God was guiding Paul's life. And it's not happenstance. It's not luck. It's not just something unfortunate happened to you. No, God has a plan for your life. And Paul recognized that. I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And it appeared on the surface that while Paul was in prison, that his ministry was being hampered. I mean, surely, surely it'd be better for Paul to be out preaching. Surely it'd be better for Paul to be out, you know, uh, planning churches and winning people to Christ. And yet we look at all of it and what do we find? During this imprisonment, what did God use Paul to do? He used Paul to write a book called Ephesians that you and I are studying so many years later that's ministering to us this day and will for the ages to come until the Lord Jesus comes again to believers all throughout the world. You see, our lives are not luck. They're not chance. We're living under the sovereign hand of Almighty God. And that's one of the keys of how he endured. But there's a second thing here in Ephesians 3 that he recognized and remembered that helped him to endure. And it's this. Um, a mystery had been revealed to him. A mystery had been revealed to him. I don't know if you noticed that word mystery as you read the passage today. By my count, we read the word three times. Mystery, mystery, mystery. And I need to tell you that when you and I think of a mystery, if you think of a mystery, you might think of a movie you might think of a novel. Because when we think about the word mystery, we think about something we can't figure out. It's just mysterious. Right? That's not what the Bible means here when it says mystery. What the Bible means here when it says mystery is something was hidden and now it's been revealed. That's what it's talking about. It was a mystery. It was something hidden 
and now it's been revealed. Look back in the passage, this time beginning at verse 2. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, watch verse 3, how that by revelation He, that is God, made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men. It was hidden, it was not revealed, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to His holy apostles and prophets. But the question is, what is the mystery? What is it that Paul had revealed to him that was hidden and now has been revealed? Well, the answer's in the passage. It's in verse 6. Here's the mystery. Look at verse 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ through the Gospel. The mystery he's talking about is the church. Look down at verses 9 and 10. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Notice that the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent, verse 10, that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly place. Say, oh, the church is the mystery? Really, that's the mystery? That was what was hidden all this time and been revealed? That's no big deal. Hmm. Oh, but it was. The Old Testament... It's interesting we studied, it's so appropriate today, that we studied the uh, life of Abraham in Sunday school. If you weren't for Sunday school, by the way, you missed out. Come to Sunday school next week, 9.45. By the way, you're bringing out donuts in the first part of December again, right? So make sure you're here for that. But come next week. Um, You remember when the Abrahamic covenant was given, that part of the Abrahamic covenant was that through Abraham's descendants that what? All the earth, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. We understand that referring to the descendant of Abraham, the descendant, that is the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of Christ coming, the gospel going forth, that we are blessed today. But the interesting thing is, although we hear and see in the Old Testament that there's talk about the blessing of Gentiles, nowhere do we see this whole idea of the church being laid out, of the church itself. This idea that Jews and Gentiles are going to be made one together in Jesus Christ. I mean, this is a real big deal. And I don't know if you really grasp it. Um, Let me say it in a way you might understand it. Imagine if I were to say to you in the ages to come, the Democrats and Republicans are going to become one. You say that'll never happen, right? That'll never happen. Well, Well, to say the Jews and Gentiles will be one... Most would say it never happened. Listen to what David Jeremiah said. He said, in Paul's day, the animosity between the Jew and Gentile was so strong. They disliked. There was so much animosity. A Jewish woman would not help a Gentile woman deliver her child. You know why? Because she believed she was helping to bring another degraded human into the world. Jews would not even go through Samaria. Remember? Remember? They wouldn't go through Samaria because it was a non-Jewish country. They would walk, listen, 150 miles out of their way around the border to keep from entering a territory inhabited by a people they called dogs. Rather than walk through Samaria, rather than walk through Samaria, 
They would walk 150 miles around. But I love the Scripture. Remember when it says, Jesus says, I must needs go through Samaria. And He talked to the woman there and brought her to faith in Christ. Jews and Gentiles. Separate. Animosity. Never, but now the mystery has been revealed that the Jews and Gentiles, believing Jews and Gentiles, are going to be brought together one in Christ Jesus. It's so radical. It's amazing. It's almost unbelievable. Jews and Gentiles, not just together, but it says here they're fellow heirs of the same body, partakers together of His promise in Christ. And one of the things that kept Paul going was this mystery that had been revealed to him that God was bringing. Remember, Paul was a Jew himself, but Paul was bringing the Jews and Gentiles together in Christ. And so we have the second key that helped Paul to endure. This mystery. The church. But there's a third thing that kept Paul going. And we'll say it this way. A mission had been given to him. A mission had been given to him. You may remember that Paul was the, the apostle to the Gentiles. Now, Paul would preach the gospel to anybody, Jew or Gentile, but he was especially called to go and spread the gospel to those that were non-Jewish people. Uh, you can jot this reference down. Re Romans 11.13. These are Paul's words. Romans 11.13. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. Paul said that about himself. Then notice here in Ephesians 3, uh, verse 7 of which I became a minister, literally a servant, according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of His power. Look at verse 8. To me who am less than the least of all the saints. Uh, they tell me, the scholars tell me, he actually kind of created his own word there. He's the leaster. He's the leaster of all. Um, uh, he says there in there, he's the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that watch this, that I should preach among the Gentiles. Preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul was fulfilling the mission given to him by God as the apostle to the Gentiles. He was sharing the gospel. He was sharing this mystery. Now, what exactly did Paul preach? Well, it's here in the passage. Look at what he preached. Look back at verse number 8. He says at the end of verse eight, uh, 8, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Look at verse 9. He says that I and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. What's the mystery? It's the church. Look at verse 10. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Now, that is rich. There's so much more we could say about that. And I encourage you to dig more in those verses. But I'm going to leave those to say this. Notice that Paul had a mission given to him preach the unsearchable riches of Christ, the fellowship of the church, and also to show forth the manifold wisdom of God through the church to all people. Paul, with God's help, was going to fulfill the mission given to him. And if that meant going to prison, so be it. Because God was working out His eternal purpose. That's what verses 11 and 12 tell us. According to the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. You see, God has not only brought us together. You know, today the church is made up of all believers, whether they're believing Jews or Gentiles, anyone who placed their faith in Christ or placed into the body of Christ. He's not only brought us together, He's brought us to Himself. 
Hallelujah. He's brought us to Himself. Now, I love verse 13. Now, remember, Paul's in prison, but he's not so much concerned about himself as he is those that he's writing to. Did you notice what he said in verse 13? Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. In other words, you know that I'm in prison. You know I'm suffering. I don't want you to get discouraged because of that. I don't want you to get downhearted because of that. I want you to realize that God's plan is being worked out. His eternal purposes. And this brings about His glory. Beloved, just how important is the church? Just how important is the gospel? Just how important is Jesus Christ? Important enough to go to prison? Absolutely. Absolutely. Important enough to give everything that you owned and have and ever will possess? Absolutely. You see, because I want you to understand something today. Just like Paul, we as believers, if you know Jesus Christ, and if you don't, I invite you today to turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ. But just like Paul, we're living our lives under God's sovereign hand. And we're not having accidents and happenstances, God is guiding our steps. Just like Paul. Just like Paul, we're a part of a wonderful ministry, the mystery, the church, the fellowship of the mystery. We're a part of that. We're living out this great mystery that was hidden in the ages past. It was always God's plan, we know, from the ages past. But He hadn't revealed that. But now it's been revealed and you and I are living it out right now. Living in the church age. The time before the Lord Jesus comes again. And just like Paul, listen, we've been given a mission. And our mission is just like Paul's. To go and tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. To share the Gospel. To share the unsearchable riches of Christ. To share the good news that Jesus saves. We're to be on mission. And a lot of times I think believers, they think this way, well, God hasn't called me to the ministry. Yes, He has. Wherever He's called you in life, that's your ministry. And so if you're a plumber, you're a baker, you're a a candlestick maker, whatever you might be, wherever God has placed you, a teacher, a fireman, whatever it is, that's your ministry. And you're to live for Jesus Christ in that place. You're to let your light shine in that place. Because you're to be on mission every day of your life. Because your life belongs to Jesus Christ. And regardless of what happens, because here's the reality. Have we not seen in our own nation, when we're seeing, we talked about a baker, we've seen a baker go, you know, be, be persecuted because they want to stand for what they believe in. We see others in our society, not just preachers and teachers, but normal men and women who are going about their life but want to live for Christ and they're facing pushback. They're facing persecution. But regardless of what happens, I want you to understand, we can trust Christ. We can trust Christ. Why? Because we're living our lives under His sovereign hand. And we don't see the end. We don't understand all the details. We don't know all these things. But we can rest that everything that comes in our lives, no matter what it is, is filtered through the loving hands of our Heavenly Father. And we can trust in Him. I read this past week about the great Tuscanini. That's just a fun name to say. Tuscanini. Who knows if I'm saying it right, but I'm going to say it that way. The great Tuscanini. And they tell me that Tuscanini once gave a concert 
for which the audience was wildly enthusiastic. And there were several encores. And they cheered and they, they wanted them to go on and on and on. And finally there was a lull. And Toscanini, he turned his back to the audience. And he turned toward the orchestra. And Toscanini said these words so that the orchestra members could hear them. He said, I am nothing. You are nothing. But Beethoven, he is everything. And in a real sense, beloved, when it comes to our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, we can say, I am nothing. You are nothing. But Jesus, He is everything. And what a blessing that He who is everything would use us. If your life's really going to count, in this world. And by the way, time is passing. It'll only count if you give it to Jesus Christ and live it for Jesus Christ. As I said a long time ago, only when life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Yeah, he was in prison. Yeah, he was suffering hardship. It wasn't fun. But God used Paul's life. And Paul will use your life and my life if we'll say, Lord, here is my life. I give it to you. I trust you. Use me for your glory. Would you bow with me? Your head's bowed. Your eyes are closed. Do you know Christ today? Is He your Lord and Savior? Have you asked Him to forgive you of your sin and come into your heart? If not, you can do that right where you are. A simple prayer. Lord, I know that I've sinned. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I give my life to Christ. Come into my life. Take control of my life. Be my Lord and Savior. We would love to help you in a moment. We sing. Pastor Larry is going to be here. I'm going to be here. We'd love to take a Bible and help you if you have questions about that. You want to know more about being saved. Christian, what about it today? Are you living your life recognizing that you're under the sovereign hand of God? You're a part of this great mystery, the church, that you're on mission. Are you using your life Bring honor and glory to God. What is God saying to you, Christian? Would you be obedient today as the Spirit works in your heart and your life? The altar will be open for you as well, for you to come and pray. Father, we love you today. Thank you for this wonderful service. Lord, we've lifted our voices in song. We've prayed, we've preached, we've been in the Word, we've, we've said the Word together. And now I pray your Holy Spirit to have His will and way in this invitation time. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. 313, sir, closing hymn, the altar is open.
you come. If you'd like to just come pray on your own, that's fine. If you'd like help, Pastor Larry's here. I'm here. Let's stand together. 313, take the name of Jesus with you. Let's stand together. Oh.